We dedicate our lives to the Lord, and when we say, hey, Jesus, I, I surrender, and I dedicate every part uh, of my life to you. I dedicate my home, my car, my, what I do at work. I, I'm going to do it to your glory. Uh, and and, and then, then we also uh, embrace the great commission of Matthew 28 of going into all the world. How many of you know you can't go into all the world if you're in lack? You're in lack in finances, health, wisdom, protection, uh, you know, uh, favor. If you're in lack, it's impossible to go into all, all the world. When we make a decision, I'm going to go into all the world, all of heaven gets behind quality decisions. And I heard this today, decide and he will provide. Decide. Yep, I decide. I'm going to dedicate it to him. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things are going to be added unto me. And I heard there's supernatural debt cancellation that, that's happening. How many of you know that, that Jesus, he, he took on the cross, he took so much more than we even know. I mean, he took all of our debt as well. Woo-hoo-hoo. And so I thank you, Lord. Just somebody's going to have a testimony in the next few weeks uh, of just breakthrough over debt. What do you think of that, Wendy? I'm all for it. Are you guys for it? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, thank you, Father. Just uh, different things. I love Psalm 34, verse 3. Where it's, it doesn't say, oh, magnify the problem with me. Yeah. It doesn't say, oh, magnify the devil with me. It doesn't say, oh, magnify my past with me. It says, oh, magnify the Lord. And I love just, uh, you know, How many of you know, we we can't make God any bigger, but we can see him bigger. And that's why coming together is so powerful. Just being here to be, he's the God of miracles. Woohoo! I saw him bigger because of you. And, And, you know, you see him bigger. Guess what happens to the devil? Oh, he gets small. He's actually not that big. Oh, what, 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 what about uh, uh, my problem? Oh, my, pro- my, pro- my problem. That giant isn't as big as I thought he was. Oh, my past. I thought my past was, was going to be the thing because of my past. I can't have, oh, my past. What happened there is getting smaller because I'm magnifying him. We empower whatever we focus on. And it's not that you pretend like things aren't there. You know, the, Joshua and Caleb didn't pretend like the giants weren't in the promised land. They just saw something beyond the giant. You know, faith isn't blind, it's visionary. It means you've seen something nobody else has seen. And that's, you know, what gives us the hope is that we actually see something. Most people only see... Um, negative, you know, that's what worry is. Worry is actually seeing what bad could happen. Worry is seeing life without God. 
showing up in your finances or in your relationships. But what we want to do is actually see the hand of God at work in our life, the supernatural, the possibilities, because it actually gives God something to work with. You know, we used to, when we would deal with our finances, this big heavy cloud would come over us. (laughs) And we didn't realize that that was part of the problem. Our belief systems about our finances were a bigger problem than the problem. But when we start believing something different, we may be experiencing lack, but we have been given abundance. And it's on its way. Everything we put our hand to do succeeds. It's what we begin to say out of our mouth that really begins to direct our life. You know, James talks about um, our mouth is like a rudder on a ship or, or a bit in a horse's mouth. It means that it steers you. And we're not just saying this because it's in the Bible. We've actually put this into our life and we are experiencing things because we began to say something different than what we were experiencing. And so we're really big on coming into agreement with the word of God instead of coming into agreement with our past experience. We are thermostats, not thermometers. Just say I'm a high-level spiritual thermostat. I used to be only a thermometer in how I thought and talked, only reflecting the, the environments I was in or the feelings that I had. I'm tired. Everybody's tired. We're poor. Nobody around here wants to get saved. This area is hard for the gospel. Every time I move forward in God, I get attacked by the devil. Remember, he called me on that one. He says, hey, Steve, how come you say every time you move forward in me, you get attacked by the devil? Well, Lord, the reason I say every time I move forward in you, I get attacked by the devil is because every time I move forward in you, I get attacked by the devil. (laughs) That's why I say it. He said, it's true for you, but it's not truth. It's true for you because Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's obviously talking about positive mind renewal, but we can renew our mind with lies or truth. He said, it's true for you because you, you renew your mind that, that it's a spiritual virtue to be under attack. says, how come, Steve, how come you talk more about the attack of the devil than my protection? <clears throat> uh, well, Lord, <laughs> you know, if I saw more of your protection, I would talk about it more. <laughs> uh-huh. mm-hmm. How many of you know faith is, is not we, we see and then believe? I used to only believe after I saw something or felt something. The Lord said, well, that's really great, Steve. 
You're a great man of fact. <laughs> Faith believes and sees. And by the way, in this meeting, the Lord's going to release, he is releasing grace over us to renew our minds with what he's saying and not our feelings and past. There's something is getting released in this meeting right now. People are getting breakthrough. Just say, I'm getting breakthrough. Yeah, you know, we're seeing things. We're, we're living the life that we declared 25 years ago. And when we started making declarations, they were weird and wild. You know, we were pastoring a little tiny church in the middle of nowhere in the state of Nevada, and we were declaring that we would have influence over the nations. We were hardly influencing cactus. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we, we, we lived in Nevada so long, we're just like you guys. We, we started to think light brown was green. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. So we need to actually decide where we want to be in 20 years. You know, are, are we actually having a vision of our future and making declarations about who and what we are? You know, it's not so much even about, you know, a, a title, because I don't really believe that our destiny is a title, like my destiny is to be a pastor or a writer. I think my destiny is to be as powerful as God created me to be. And my title can change. You know, I love this story about um, Joseph. He gets this dream about being a ruler. And the first thing that happens to him after the dream is he becomes a slave. But what's amazing is he becomes the ruler of all the slaves because he didn't allow his outer circumstance to de develop his, to de define his inner person. He still believed he was a leader. So it's what we are on the inside. It's our state of being that actually begins to create in our, our future. Then he became, he was put in jail. I mean, most of us would have given up on the dream. I guess I'm not a ruler. But he, he didn't see rulership as a goal. He saw it as a state of being. Say that again. He didn't see ruler as a goal. He saw it as a state of being. And when we actually begin to see ourselves differently, we will actually begin to experience something different. You know, I wasted too many years of my life just waiting for God to zap me into my destiny and who I was supposed to be. You know, the miracle of zappage. By the way, Wendy, I'm hearing Jehovah's Zapper is on. <laughs> He's on the move. <laughs> We're going to zap some people today. But the key is to give him something to work with. Begin to believe, you know, and get over the thing of what if I make a mistake? What if I make the wrong choice? Because I really had that issue. It was like, oh, I was so indecisive because what if I'm wrong? I want to please God so bad. And finally, God just said, well, why don't you make me bigger than your mistakes? 
I mean, once I made them bigger than my mistakes, it didn't mean I was careless. It just helped me to relax. It was like, even if this is wrong, God is so good. He can make this right. He's that big. Just say he's really big. <laughs> Romans 12, 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, and transformation is, is getting into our experience the promises of God, our identity, and who we are in Him. And again, we can renew our mind with lies or truth. Uh, I, I like listening to T.D. Jakes, and many of you know of him, <clears throat> great preacher, African-American preacher, Dallas, Texas. And one of my goals, by the way, is to be, be the white T.D. Jakes. <laughs> it's, it's one of my goals in life. And um, I love, how many of you know every great thing starts small? Not, nothing. We're, we're at Bethel Church in Redding, California. It's, um, what, we got 7,000 people come, you know, on a weekend or something like that, or they consider that their church home, and students from around the world come there. But it started about 70 years ago with just a small handful of people, I think, in the living room. Somebody just said, hey, you know, somebody had it on their heart. Let, let's start something. By the way, there's people in the room who are, are gonna, who are starting things right now. And 70 years from now, people are going to look back and they're, they're, it's going to be a huge thing. It's going to be huge. And that's why the Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Attach faith to the little things that you're doing. And, and it will become great. Well, T.D. Jakes, he um, started off in West Virginia, and again, he started off small, did not look successful, uh, because God, God's way of making great leaders is to make them successful on the inside when they don't look successful on the outside. He makes us successful here when we don't seem here. That's what happened to Joseph in the Old Testament. So he's got an old house, and he says, well... You know, I mean, he, he says, if the power was on, the water was shut off because he couldn't pay the bill. Uh, if the power was on, his water was shut off because he couldn't pay the bill. And so one day he, um, he walks into his house and he speaks to his house. And he says these words, you're lying to me. House, you're lying to me. You're trying to send me a message. You're trying to get me in agreement to have me renew my mind with what you're saying about who I am and what my potential is. And I, I, I'm not going to receive what you're saying. I remember when we were first pastoring in central Nevada in early 90s, we had all these things that were lying to us that were telling us we were a failure. I'm going to share a few of these and then why don't you just laugh after each one. <clears throat> We had a non-successful car. <laughs> You're lying to me. Our salary and bank account was non-successful. Uh -huh. <laughs> You're lying to me. My hair was starting to get non-successful. <laughs> You're lying to me. <laughs> Mirror, you're lying. 
church size was non-successful. Ha <laughs> ha. Nervous laughter on that one. <laughs> You're lying to me. Our home, which was an old trailer, uh, sitting next to the church called the Parsonage, <laughs> was not successful. Ha ha ha. Woohoo. <laughs> You're lying to me. You're trying to shape my beliefs. You're trying to get me to renew my mind with what you're saying rather than what the Lord is saying about me. Uh, and and, and it was, it, it's powerful. And, you know, what I've learned, there's, there's never a convenient season to radically renew your mind. Never, a, there's never a, oh, it's all lined up right now. Yes, everything, you know. Yeah, I'm not battling any personal weaknesses. I love everything I'm doing. Uh, you know, all the people in my life are doing everything I think they should be doing. <clears throat> I'm not, uh, I have all the money I need. Uh, I'm not hearing any negative news in the media. <laughs> now. It's a convenient time to renew my mind and be joyful. Let's just laugh at that. <laughs> no, it, it's always, it's always going to be a decision because the greatest warfare is in our own thinking. That's, that's where the greatest spiritual battle is. Yeah, it's so amazing to me how, you know, we're in this season where God's, you know, talking to us about his grace and that it's all through the blood and his his performance, not our performance, but yet we still have lingering things that make us think it's really about our performance. I mean, we disqualify ourselves from many of the promises of God because we, if it's not happening, we tend to think it must be my performance. God can't trust me yet. I haven't been good enough yet. Can I tell you a secret? You never will. It's like the enemy puts out this vague thing that you're supposed to reach to. And you'll never reach it because it, it, there's, it's not um, verbalized well enough. And I know for me, for our, when we were really struggling with the spirit of poverty, there was a guy in our church that he just was not a good provider in his home. He would get a job and then quit off the spur of the moment and so we were kind of helping he had what six kids and we would try to help feed them take care of them and minister to him about being a good steward but he would have so much faith he would say yeah I'm believing God for money so I can go to this conference at Bethel we were in Nevada and I'm like why don't you have faith for food for your table you know clothes for your kids. And every time he stood in faith for finances, God sent it. And I remember getting so irritated. You're not helping us, Lord. I'm like, we're trying to teach him stewardship. And you're just, you know, giving him this money. And after I said that, God goes, well, I'm trying to teach you something. <laughs> he said, you, you qualify yourself for how much you think you're worth. 
and per, through your performance, you think you're in poverty because you still aren't a good enough steward. Amen. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that's when things began to shift when I took the, the whole thing of worthiness and performance. It's just, it's God. And then we trust him to step out and do things. But there's something in the atmosphere that actually holds things back. I remember um, I used to use guilt and condemnation to motivate myself. You know, I want to be a better Christian, so I'd just feel guilty if I didn't measure up to what I thought I should do. And he said, you know, I won't work with that. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He goes... I can't allow you to succeed under guilt and condemnation. He said, because if, if guilt and condemnation is what is motivating you, then it will get the glory for what Jesus did. So guilt and condemnation and performance, it actually puts a, a, a lid in the spirit realm over what's happening because God won't allow that guilt and performance and condemnation to get the glory for what Jesus did. And so just becoming aware of that, it doesn't mean you don't do anything. It just means that you realize the perfection of what I'm doing is not what causes the blessing. If you'll notice, you'll see all kinds of Christians that, you know, if you measure yourself up by performance, you're performing better than they are, but they're more blessed than you are. <laughs> wow. Because they have a different belief system. Someone say, that's a good word, Wendy. <laughs> my, oh my. Whew. By the way, um, Jocelyn and Ellie, why don't you guys stand up? They're going to help uh, just, uh, why don't you welcome them again? They're not going to minister now, but they're, in a while, I'm going to have them come up. Yes, Jocelyn is a third-year student, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and uh, Ellie is our granddaughter, part of Young Saints at Bethel Church, and she, they, they just ripped it up on Friday night. They did a great job. So we've asked them to pray, and they're going to help us close this meeting. You guys excited about that? Thanks, ladies. I want to read out of Romans 4. It's interesting that when the Lord tells us how to live this new covenant life, because the, the old covenant was based on performance based on Ten Commandments, keeping rules. And, and, and then, like I said, Jesus came because we couldn't do it. And we were, uh, we were in a problem, to say the least. And then Jesus comes and fully obeys all of the commands for us. Uh, and again, he won all the victories, he, all the blessings, and now he offers them to us. And uh, it's interesting that when the Lord speaks to us about how to live in the New Testament, he uses an Old Testament character named Abraham to tell us how to live in the New Covenant. 
It's kind of interesting. I mean, Abraham's living in the old covenant, and he pulls a new covenant reality into the old covenant. Someone just go, hmm, hmm, hmm. He pulled something that was reserved for the future into his present experience. Why don't you say, hmm, again? Hmm, hmm, hmm. And starting in verse, in the middle of verse 17, it says, uh, well, let's start, I'll read 17. Um, It says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. By the way, the Lord is making you. He's already, he, he's the one that's making you. I've made you father in many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Now, this is, this is how God brings life to dead places, or this is how we bring life to dead-looking areas of our life, is to call it uh, alive when it looks dead. Now, verse 18, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Uh, He did not waver in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or, uh, or, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong in his faith. Just say, um, he grew strong. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a process that, that it's not just an instantaneous thing. He grew strong in his faith, As he gave glory to God. Now, how he grew strong in his faith was not by him just fixating on his faith. He grew strong by giving glory to God, by by focusing in on on the Lord. Uh, And and then it, it, it says, fully convinced, say fully convinced, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. And and this is such a a great uh, passage because the goal uh, in our beliefs is to get fully convinced, to be fully convinced about who we are, to be fully convinced about his promises, uh, our specific claim. But but we don't just instantaneously get fully convinced. the, The first step is to determine what we're going to believe. Okay, so uh, that, that, that's the first step. He, he, this is talking about, he was to believe that he was the father of many nations. All right, this is what you're to believe, all right? And, and that, that is uh, in our lives because what we believe is more important than what we do. Now, what we do is important, but it's not as important as what we believe, and so once we realize that, then we, we, we say, okay, what am I to believe? What am I to believe about me? What am I to believe about Wendy? What am I to believe about what's going on in my nation? Uh, and then once we determine what we're to believe, then we get a plan to strengthen that belief. It's not just by osmosis. 
It's not by, well, I'm going to go to church and hope my beliefs get better. And they probably will get a little better. But the renewing the mind isn't just by reading the Bible or, or by sitting in church. The renewing of the mind is saying, I'm not believing this anymore. I'm going to believe this. And I'm going to get a plan of how to strengthen it. It's like a muscle you work out. I think I heard about muscles today. <laughs> it's like you, you, you work, each belief is like an isolated muscle uh, that, okay, I'm going to get that belief stronger. I'm going to get the belief about me stronger, who I am. I'm an influencer. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. Whatever the belief is, because the word repentance means to change the way you think. Repentance is not an event, it's a lifestyle. I'm repenting today. I woke up today you know, by speaking things out, by, uh, by worship, uh, even the songs that we were singing in worship today. I remember I used to get irritated at worship leaders because they'd have me sing the same song over and over again. And the Lord says, Steve, that's the only way I can get you to say it. The only way I can get you to start repenting and, and start thinking things higher and actually strengthen the beliefs that you say you want, you actually do believe, is if you say it with worship music. I'm going to get you to say it without music. I think the first key for me was actually to realize that I didn't really believe everything I thought I believed. You know... Mentally, I have an agreement with everything that's in the Word of God. And I shared Friday, God really challenged me when he said, Wendy, do you believe I'm going to meet all your needs? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I, you know, I quoted scripture that I knew talks about the provision of God. And he said, well, why are you worried? And my question was, is, do my emotions have to believe it too? And he said, that's how you'll know you believe it. If your beliefs haven't changed your emotions, you don't really believe it yet. And that's not for condemnation. It's just so that we know that we can have a mental agreement with something, but if it hasn't affected our very being, it's not really ours yet. And I remember thinking about... Um, when our grandson was little and learning to walk and he was always so happy and he'd wake up to start the day and I remember having the thought, why aren't babies depressed? <laughs> because I realized the first year of life is just one big failure. You know, they try to grab things and they can't, they try to talk and they can't, they, try to lift their head they can't I mean if I failed that much in a year I'd be hiding <laughs> and so I'm just kind of why aren't they depressed and God said the reason they're not depressed is because they are so convinced that they can do what their parents do that failure doesn't move them They don't determine what they can do and not do by their failure. They determine what they can do by their parents. 
I haven't raised the debt yet, dead yet, but I will because my daddy does. And I realized that's how convinced we have to be. You know, when a baby's learning to walk, as parents, we don't use the 50 falls to determine that they're not a walker. <laughs> we will take one step. They took one step. And we use it as proof that they're walkers. Yeah. Why don't we celebrate our one step? Why are we using the 50 prayer failures to determine that we don't have the gift of healing? Instead of focusing on the one person that got healed to prove we're anointed to heal. And that just shifted everything, and it made me realize the things that I was fully convinced on and the things that I'm not fully convinced on. And we have to take each promise, everything God says, one at a time, and actively, intentionally become fully convinced. This is not just what I do, this is what I am. Someone say, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, one of the greatest revelations we can get is that we can decide what to believe. And here's, here's the good news. God is an equal opportunity God. God's no respecter of persons. He hasn't predestined anybody here for mediocrity. <laughs> Nobody's past can stop their future but current beliefs can. The past doesn't have the power in it, but the conclusions we make based on the past have the power to block our future. Romans 12, 2 takes all limits off our lives because there's no limit to how much I can renew my mind, so there's no limit to how much I can be transformed. Somebody say no limits. And that gets me excited. That gets me. And, and, I, and I was saying, I've been lied to. I've been lied to. I remember getting that revelation. I've been lied to. Because I, I used to believe the lie, there's something uniquely wrong with me. I believe the lie that it may work for somebody else, but it won't work for me. Believe the lie that I was less than and inferior to other people around me or people up on stages. I was less than. Why don't we just laugh at all those lies? Ha, ha, ha. It's not been lied to. The devil, the only weapon he has is the lie. He's the father of all lies. There's no truth in him. And he's, he's continually trying to convince you and I that we're not who God says we are. He's trying to continually convince us that, that there's something wrong with us. And, and we're here today just to just blow the lid off this thing. <laughs> because, you know, it's, I love it says, the armor of God, Ephesians 6, 7, 8, 
16, take up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of good beliefs where you can quench. How many of the fiery darts? All, all the fiery darts. And so as we decide what we're going to believe, I mean, we start with the general promises of God. You know, that, uh, like Philippians 1, 6, he has begun a good work in me, is going to complete it. I'm going to believe that God's going to complete what he started in me. I've got this declaration clicker. Yeah, I, my goal, and by the way, I love to experiment, and, and this is, uh, I'll, I'll give you an idea for an experiment to just bring breakthrough in your life. Because there's no progress unless somebody's trying something new. And so I, I, I challenge people, make, do an experiment and make 100 faith, at least 100 faith declarations a day for a month and see what happens. God richly supplies all my needs. He's supplying my emotional, financial, relational, my needs of protection. He, my need of wisdom, my need of knowing uh, what to do in my nation right now. Everywhere I go, revival breaks out. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I am a great husband. I am a great father. I am a great grandfather. Yes, I'm a good leader. And I'm not making declarations to convince somebody else. I'm making them to convince me. Because my stronghold says, no, Steve, don't you remember? It won't work for you. Don't you remember there's something wrong with you? But I keep at it. I keep repenting. Repentance is not an event. It's a lifestyle. I'm choosing what to believe and then getting a plan to strengthen that belief. I'm getting a plan. Because I'm moving towards being fully convinced. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there, there yet in areas, but I'm not condemned about that. Because I'm going to get there. I think one of the most fascinating stories I read was a guy who shared that when he was, um, I think it was still a, a, an older teenager, but he was known in town as someone who didn't really read any books. And his older brother had a, a friend who she was known as a reader. It was a small town. I mean, she was always in the library. She was reading hundreds of books all the time. And he got a hold of a book called Think and Grow Rich. Anybody ever heard of that? And so he started reading it, and his brother's friend came up and said, oh, I heard you're reading a book. That is so good. And he goes, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm reading this book. And she goes, well, what's the name of it? And he goes, Think and Grow Rich. And she's like, good job. Keep it up. And about three months later, they meet on the street again, and the friend goes, are you still reading? And he's going, yeah, I'm still reading. And she goes, what are you reading now? And he said, think and grow rich. And she's like, oh, thinking maybe he's a slow reader or something. <laughs> but a year later, she sees him on the street again. And she's like, what are you reading now? Are you still reading? He's, yeah, I'm still reading. What are you reading? Think and grow rich. And he said, because he was reading it over and over and over again. 
But by the end of four years, she was still in the same place in her life, and he had tripled his income. All of the knowledge in the world won't do you any good until you get fully convinced about what you're hearing. That's why there's people who know the Bible, but their life hasn't changed. They can probably memorize it and quote it to you. But it, if it hasn't changed anything in you, it doesn't do any good. So it, it's taking those things that God begins to speak to you when he highlights a verse. It's not for a momentary, oh, wow, something about that verse really blessed me. It's actually the Spirit saying, will you take this verse and read it for the next, you know, year? Until you see something happen? The first time that happened to me, it was the, the he highlighted um, Galatians 2.20 about having died with Christ and I no longer live. And at the time it was like, I don't even know what this means, you know. How can I say that I've died with Christ? I feel so alive. And, but I, it was like every single day I would just quote it and I'd read it and I'd declare it even though I had no clue what it meant. And then one day I remember getting challenged with some guilt that the enemy was throwing at me and just out of my mouth it was like I no longer live I have been crucified with Christ and the scripture did something to me and it, it almost bypassed my, my brain knowledge and performed and did something on the inside of me that changed my life and so it, it's not about knowing it here it's about allowing it you know and Jesus actually says, my words are spirit and life. Amen. Do we really believe that it's able to perform something, just like a seed? It has life in it to produce something. And the word of God is like that. And when we begin to keep planting that same principle in our life and just going over it and over it, it actually produces something. Someone say amen to that.